Hello, and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a gaming podcast from PR Pros. I'm Caitlin Redwing, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Sam Mosher. And today, we're going to talk about AI and games, including the Nintendo Switch 2 potential leak. I put that in quotes (laughs) for a reason that we'll talk about later. Uh, The Prince of Persia, The Last Crown demo and reviews, our thoughts personally. We both played the demo, as well as other journalists opinions as well and then we'll kind of round off with a little bit of the last of us season two casting news and discussion so we've got a bunch of different topics for you guys today uh if you're an active listener or weekly listener you're noticing this is coming out a day later than usual um thank you mother nature for the gift (laughs) that it brought sam this week who ended up (laughs) Being stuck in a stranger's house Monday evening. So, Sam, tell me <laughs> about that. Yeah, cue uh, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Because uh, that's indeed what it did on the MLK holiday here in Kansas City on Monday. Uh, my girlfriend and I were in a movie, as we often are on a weekend. <laughs> uh, Monday afternoon, like, so mind you, Kansas City, brutal cold. If, of course, if you watch the Chiefs-Dolphins game, I am wearing... My 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 chief's sweatshirt. Uh, you know, let's see them beat the Bills this weekend. Uh, you know, you watch the Miami game, historic, you know, coldest game in Arrowhead uh history, fourth coldest game in NFL history. I thought the worst was past us come Monday. It had snowed four inches on Monday night last week into Tuesday, and it had stayed so cold that the snow never left. Um, I knew that there was a chance of flurries on Monday. In fact, that's what the forecast said. So we thought we were fine when we left to see uh, all of us strangers go to my letterbox to Sam Scott Mosher if you want to see my review of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, within those two hours that we were with, uh, I guess two and a half with previews, uh, we come out and a pretty brutal snowstorm has rolled through. And because it wasn't in the forecast, uh, the roads, I mean, as they often are in Missouri, weren't properly treated. So the like one to two inches that we got, everybody had driven over and it turned into ice because it felt like below zero on Monday. Uh, and a drive that was normally 25 minutes back to back home was going to be 45, but it was, you know, fine. Let's take it slow. Let's take it safe. We avoided the highways. We're, we're doing well. We're two thirds into the drive, 30 minutes down, about 15 minutes left to go. And we hit a hill uh, and uh, my car could not surmount said hill. Um, It was really scary. I've lived in Missouri my whole life and I have never gotten stuck like that. And it was on a pretty narrow two-way lane, one going one way, one coming the other. And the thing I just kept like, for lack of a better term, doom scrolling in my head was either somebody's going to come, you know, down this hill and somebody behind me is going to have to wait to go around me because there wasn't a, like there was no shoulder for me to go off on. Um, and when they're going to try to go around me, they're going to slip too because they've just stopped right behind me and they're going to start sliding back. And mm-hmm. it's just me a whole mess. Um, so Q2, thank you. Or, you know, cut to st- these strangers who lived in this house uh, where I got stuck coming outside with um, shovels and brooms Shout out to the Midwest hospi- uh, hospitality for real. 
Um, they uh, and and my girlfriend, while I manned the brakes and the emergency brake, uh, helped me get stuck out of the snowbank. We waited probably 15 minutes for there to be a break in the traffic for me to very slowly roll down the hill to where it was flat, and I you know pulled it back into a back road and parked. I. You know, it was flat there. I could have risked making the drive home, but after that whole ordeal, I was not going to risk it. Uh, so we had called it a AAA tow. I was only supposed to be about an hour, hour and a half wait. Uh, and we were going to wait in the sub-zero temps. So that stranger who helped me get, get us get unstuck uh, invite us into their house. Incredibly kind of them. They both work in music. We got to learn about uh, the the piano lessons that they had to cancel because of the snow that day. Uh, we met their lovely uh, beagle uh, that they adopted from a shelter who would bark at you if you were not petting uh, Millie was her <laughs> name. <laughs> and it was actually quite stressful because like, we're trying to figure out the tow. My girlfriend had a work trip that she had to leave for at 6 a.m. the next day and you know, Lord knows it was still going to be cold. Um, and so we're all, and we're, and we're just trying to figure out how to get home. I knew like, what are we going to do about the podcast? We were supposed to record the next day. And meanwhile, if you're not paying attention to this dog, it will not <laughs> stop barking. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I take dog care duty while Katie's figuring out my, oh, I'm name dropping my girlfriend on the podcast now. She's, uh, uh, figuring out her flight situation. I've texted you and our producer Ryan about what to do with the podcast with one hand while I'm petting the dog with the other. Um, and meanwhile, we're checking the toe, uh, they say we're supposed to come by 6.30. 6.30 rolls around. The ETA all of a sudden turns into, we'll be there soon. And of course, because it was a holiday, uh, all of their call centers were closed. So we had no real like way to check what the status of it was, minus like the probably to prompt what we'll talk about later, AI-generated like text updates uh, that just kept saying, we'll be there soon. Uh, so cut to like over three hours later, we've way overstayed our time at these at the stranger's house. And uh, we just decide to call an Uber XL because we know they'll have four by four drive. And yeah, uh, we finally got home around 9 p.m. So I'm safe. I'm now home. I got the car today. Two days later, uh, the snow is starting to melt finally. And uh, yeah, I would not recommend driving in the snow. That's the TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did you ever have I a do. story like this in Michigan? <laughs> Oh my God, too many to, I could spend <laughs> the entire podcast talking about my snow adventures and how it led to me moving to California so that I didn't have to deal with seasons because I hate the snow and it's, it's terrible. not my friend. And I have been, I, I like, my first car was a Jeep, which it was like a Jeep Cherokee, like lifted, great, like four wheel drive. Like I, I had it all. It was stick shift like i could do anything in the snow that car was also old <laughs> so then i had to like get a new car and there was a buick and then there was oh, another car that i can't even remember and then my little two-door cobalt which i now drive again because it went to my brother when i went to new york and didn't need a car and now i have it again that thing doesn't do well in snow no one should be surprised by that it is a tiny car there were times when i was in grand rapids michigan and I would come outside and it had snowed so much the entire car was underneath <gasps> snow. And oh I would have goodness. to sh shovel it out so that I could either get to class or to work. Um, it's 
yeah, the the snow, I, there was like, I remember one time I was driving home from work. This is, this is, this is in Grand Rapids, which gets like lake effect snow because it's off Lake Michigan. So the snow just like, it just continues for six months out of the year. Um, just constantly dumping snow on you. And I was like, I was on the highway and this car started like skidding into my lane. And so then I had to slam on the brakes. I ended oh. up facing backwards on the highway towards oncoming traffic. And I was oh like, holy goodness. cow, my car wouldn't like, wouldn't like it, the wheels were spinning. Cause there just was so much snow. I eventually like miraculously did not get hit and like got off onto the off ramp. And a car is driving towards me on the off ramp. Like that car is driving backwards to get on the highway. That car doesn't stop. I ended up calling the police because I was like, oh my God, this person's going to kill someone. And I don't know how they don't realize there's cars driving towards them. Um, that was, that was a fun one. There is a couple, there's two years in a row, the day before <laughs> Thanksgiving, that I was at stop signs. And got rear-ended because of <gasps> ice and had concussions. There are two years in a row where by Thanksgiving, <laughs> I was sick and could not eat because I had such a bad concussion from being rear-ended one year by my professor. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and another year by just, like, another student at Grand Valley. The, the professor won, like, to be... Like, that was actually not their fault. This was the bus's okay. fault. Like, there mm. are two lanes. And to get into, like, Grand Valley, it, there's, like, a light. I know, like, Haley and Christian, who both work at Triple Point and have gotten to Grand Valley, they'll know what I'm talking about. But, like, to turn into campus, it's two lanes that both turn. And I was in the left lane. The bus is in the right lane. Mid mid turn the bus was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to merge right at this very second. Mm. Even though they have a whole other lane for a long ways until they have to actually merge. So I have to slam on my brakes and the car behind me just does not have enough time to stop. Hits me. Um, their bumper falls off. <laughs> oh my my car fine. <laughs> the, the cobalt turns out pretty, pretty tough of a car. Pretty sturdy. Um, <laughs> pretty sturdy. It's been rendered a few times at when I'm just at a complete stop. I promise I'm a safe driver. Um, so my brothers and dad might say that I am a scary driver, but I'm safe. <laughs> um, oh. So yeah, well, I'm glad we just... both have lived to to tell these tales. Yeah, me too. Yeah, when you texted me on Monday and you're like, "Today's been a like stressful day. I didn't know about the dog. That's crazy. <laughs> Three hours in a stranger's house, listening to them talk about music, and like, it's just <laughs> waiting for a tow truck. It's a it's a lot." Like the thing uh, Katie and I kept saying was just like, oh, well, at least we have a great story. <laughs> like, you know, so and you much told for... it so well, I could like visualize it. You're like, cut to this. And I'm like, oh, wow, <laughs> Sam should be a director. You know, like you're just you're directing the story. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, glad new, you guys are new core memory and, unlocked. Yeah. Yeah. And didn't have like it was so cold. I. Hopefully you guys have like a, an emergency kits in your cars with like blankets and all that stuff. And if not, if anybody's listening, like if you live in a state that has winter, like you get snow and cold weather, you need that because you never know. Like there may not be a stranger to help you out and you, your car, like for three hours, maybe it can run that long if you have enough gas and stuff. But 
you just you never know that was a whole nother revolving doors thing was I had filled up on gas that morning. I had been like <laughs> glad I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, it all, everything that like, while a lot of things went wrong within that, I think everything that could have gone right did like no, <laughs> no one was hurt. Car was fine. We had somewhere to crash for three hours. Um, I, the other thing I was like, I'm going to get to my, where I left my car today and it's going to be towed. No, it, it, it was there. And actually all the snow was melted off of it. It was ma- like magical. So. <laughs> I feel like when there's like crazy winter storms, the police are probably a little bit more lenient of like, we're not going to go tow all these cars and leave tickets because people were stranded. Yeah. Um, so thankfully your car was there and didn't have any problems. Did you see the video of, I think it was Lake Tahoe. There's this like one um, hill and there was like, there was police there, but I saw like a couple different point of views where the cars just like kept coming down and kept colliding into each other. And it was this massive pileup. And I was like, that, see, that's scary. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen that specific one, but anything like that, uh, that, that is just what kept replaying in my head on Monday night. Yeah. yeah like probably best to get off the road instead of even just like stopping in the road. Cause yep. that stuff that happened to me once where I, I was going over a hill and I didn't know it was all backed up until I got to the top of the hill. And then I had to like mm. slam on the brakes and I slid into the oncoming traffic and coming towards me was a ambulance with its lights <gasps> on. And I blacked out. <laughs> I don't know how it happened, but I ended up on the other side, like back onto my side, but in the ditch. Like somehow I, I truly do not. I just remember like getting to the top of that, like, gasping this was when i was like 16 or 17 like this was like my first year driving and i knew i like i think i had told my i was living with my dad at the time and i was like i don't want to like drive to school because it's kind of a long drive because i we had moved away um but i did it anyways and yeah that was that was scary like because i had no idea i came right over that hill and immediately had to like stop and the ambulance i was like this is of course (laughs) Like, could you imagine I run head head on into an ambulance that its lights are on and they're trying to save someone else? I don't know. Whatever Ugh. guardian angel or something. Somehow, I feel like I just teleported that I was just in the ditch on the other side. And I was like, how did I get here? I don't know. I don't yeah. remember anything about that moment. That's incredible. Well, from all your stories, it's clear. Like, I'm barely cut out for Missouri. Uh, I'm not <laughs> cut out for Michigan. I keep. I always say, like, if I'm moving anywhere further north of where I'm at, I'm going somewhere where I don't have to drive. Yeah, that's that's key. Michigan wasn't so bad the this last time I lived there when I was working here because I worked from home and didn't have to commute to classes or a job that was like over an hour away and. If it snowed a bunch, then I just stayed indoors and it was fine. But I was tired of being cold. (laughs) (laughs) That is fair. That's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So yeah. So the no one make fun of me that the the snowy winter tree stays on until it gets warm here in Missouri. (laughs) My Christmas tree is still up. Part of that maybe because I'm a little lazy and my back was thrown out for the first. (laughs) Like it still hurts. So the all of January I'm just like I'm injured <laughs> but the Christmas tree's still up and I am also with I'm like it's cold I'm cold I've got I'm pulling like a Diane Keaton I got my collared shirt on and a sweatshirt and two pairs of socks um it's yeah 
over over the cold weather, but it did help the Chiefs win. So you know what? I'll take it. There's some pluses there. I should have worn my should have worn one of my Chiefs sweatshirts. <laughs> I should have t- I should have messaged you. I know I've got a I have like a basket of them in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I I could never find a transition into our topic, <laughs> um, but our first conversation topic of today uh we wanted to kind of talk about the i don't want to call it news but there was a press release that came out last last week that in well how they said is predicting the nintendo switch to release date now i'm it's weird wording how i'm phrasing it because i don't actually believe that that is what they've done uh, so for some some background ai shark Formerly known as GameShark, is a company owned by Altec Lansing. I had never heard of this before. They're a global audio electronics company. Uh, regardless, they released a press release last week announcing AI, AI Shark, their new venture, a to quote, cutting edge gaming software. In, I'm not entirely sure what else they do. I don't think at this point it like really matters um, because topic of this is in the press release they announced that the launch of their product would coincide with the nintendo switch 2 in september which is just a very odd thing and very audacious <laughs> thing to um predict or put in your own press release now i'm i'm not a lawyer i i do know i do not know the legalities of announcing that or predicting that or putting nintendo switch 2 in your own company press release I, I imagine they have their own lawyers who have done enough work to know like that that's okay. Or if maybe they're just calling bluff on Nintendo and think that Nintendo's not going to sue them for something. I'm not sure. Um, however, I don't actually think they know when the Nintendo Switch 2 is going to release. Personally, I think this is all a ploy for them to get headlines, um, to get their name out there, because who's going to know what AI Shark is or Altec Lansing unless they make a bunch of headlines and no one's going to write about it unless you're talking about, I don't know, The Last of Us or Nintendo. Um, So that's, I, I personally just, I think they just made it up and we're fine burning their the bridges because they probably have never worked with Nintendo and are fine not working with them. And I don't know. It's, I think it's just a, a risky bet that they took and I guess in some ways they might have pulled it off if if what they were aiming to do was just to get headlines I don't know Sam what are your, what is your thoughts on all of it what do you think their their goal or intentions were in saying this in a press release it, it's such a funny thing I'm I'm aligned with you that clearly even so much so that uh Jason Schreier of Bloomberg later followed up with the company and a spokesperson for AI Shark uh claimed that the company was simply guessing uh when they when they said <laughs> September 2024 in the press release which i mean frankly like i would have i mean that's just i i admire their brazenness just to admit that yeah we we made this up uh to get headlines and it certainly did IGN picked it up we're reading from digital trends we'll link to that in the in the description um that i mean hey I, I associate GameShark. I owned GameShark products, uh, I believe. I mean, it's been so long ago, I can't even remember what devices it was for. I want to say it was for my Game Boy Advance. Maybe it was for my PlayStation 2. Um, but, like, that was 20 years ago now. And, frankly, I, I 
if they hadn't pulled a move like this, I don't think I would have known that Game Shark <laughs> could ever come back in a new form. Uh, and hey, because, you know, this got a lot of, you know, on any daily, daily gaming news show, this was the lead headline. Even if people were having a laugh about, you know, this fake leak about when the Switch was coming out, I guarantee whether it, you know, when the Switch 2 actually comes out or AI Shark launches in September, as it says, uh, that there will be some sort of coverage, whether it's from a YouTuber or podcast or or outlets about like, hey, we tried AI uh, AI Shark and he, and here's how it holds up to the Game Shark of old. Like <laughs> now, at least people know about it. Um, even if, like you said, yeah, clearly this is if there was ever a bridge left to burn between a, a company famous for like helping people add cheat codes to their games uh, with Nintendo. Clearly, there is no bridges left. <laughs> I yeah I I don't think they were too worried I I mean they knew what they were doing they were like look we don't we don't need to work with a Nintendo so why not just piss them off a little bit because they're gonna if you search AI shark this is I should have done this earlier but I was just wondering I'm like I wonder like from an SEO standpoint if like when you search AI, AI shark they probably wouldn't have come up in the top page or the first page for Google results um funny thing is they still don't have the top hits because the what are the Roombas? There's a shark AI ultra robot <laughs> vacuum with a self-emptying base. It's just $2.98 at Amazon, down from the normal price of $5.99. Uh, so that is the top hit when I search AI shark, but you go down a couple articles and it is all AI shark, Nintendo Switch um, coverage. I mean, they get everybody covered it they just everyone was like did the nintendo switch to like release date actually get leaked because they're doing their due diligence of like maybe this is true and maybe they did just announce this but i don't know yeah i I didn't see anybody like talk about like the legalities behind that like what if they had actually known and they are just like announcing it what does that mean for them as a company i can't imagine that any company would risk that. So like you said, if one of the employees told Jason Schreier that like they're just guessing and they don't know, that makes more sense. And I don't even, I don't think you need AI to guess that. You can just look at trends. We we already predicted when we think the Nintendo Switch 2 will come out. And I think we had similar end of year or maybe it, maybe not launch, but announcement. I can't even remember what I was yeah i'm i'm staking my my claim in a november launch and like spring to early like no later than june announcement um september would be a little early for a launch but hey i mean i think that's better than november that at least gives stores a couple months to like you know replenish stock get as many people with their switch to under their trees come holiday time who knows yeah and maybe that's part of it maybe since like we know production with it's gotten better but like when the playstation 5 and xbox one came out like or xbox one xbox series x and s like you couldn't find stock um i wonder if nintendo's just like maybe trends have changed in the processes and they're like look if we if we launch in november there just won't be enough so like maybe it will be an early launch maybe it will be september and then they plan for a second restock i don't know I'm not a, I don't know anything about manufacturing timelines and <laughs> stock I mean, stuff. So 
if Nintendo learned anything from the absolutely blockbuster success of the Switch, and they, they've clearly learned a lot, um, one of it is that like the the launch didn't re- when it happened didn't really matter. People were hungry for a, a handheld console hybrid. That thing launched in March and kind of just had a awesome nine month tail sliding into the holidays of 2017. So I don't think Nintendo really, you know, they know that whether this comes out in September or November of this year or October or hell, whenever it will be like the hot ticket gaming item of the holiday season. Um, and and clearly AI shark knows that too. Another takeaway from this thing is just that, and we're going to hopefully see more fair or, or reasonable, logical, uh, connections to the switch but there will be examples that aren't of of people very smartly using the switch 2's launch to bolster their their own announcements um you know you see this with you know when the switch launched any game that came out within those first nine months because you know it, it Nintendo was putting out about a game a month, and when there was anything from anybody, third per- third party or first party coming out on that, it was a big deal. And so I think we're going to see the same things for indies and and third in in bigger third party publishers and tech accessory things this year for the Switch too. Of uh, that's driving headlines. It led Nintendo to record high stocks. Uh, last week so the switch to fervor is not only going to take over nintendo town but it'll take over anybody else who can try to batten down the doors or, or kick down the doors yeah that's nothing nothing new for nintendo we know that that seo game is annoying but something that happens and look we're sometimes we're all beholden to it and have to think of ways to <laughs> i don't know help our own press releases but yeah it's just it's a, it's a bold move and i i just I, I can't think of any anyone else who's really done something like that so i'm curious if that's gonna be a trend like are people gonna start putting wild predictions in press releases what's the point of your press release at that point if you're just just put out some predictions with the coincides with our announcement i don't know yeah very like i said very brazen would not recommend like i don't even know if i was on the in the game shark team i would but like it you know if you're a scrappy kind of you know rebrand of at this point like a a retro gaming accessory i'm sure part of the logic was hey anything goes let's see what we can especially when they're announcing in the middle of ces like that's its whole other noisy chamber and they found a way to get through the noise so it, it worked yeah um well i yeah curious to see what what will happen and hey if the nintendo switch comes out in september i think we'll see a whole other wave of ai shark headlines so <laughs> i guess kudos to ai shark i'm, I'm truly not sure how i feel about any of that which is how i feel about a lot of ai conversations as of late um which kind of brings us into our next little topic um ai basically just in general is going to be it already is a hot topic we're seeing a lot of a lot of discussions about the about ethical uses of ai ai what what is considered an ethical use of AI? How can it be helpful? How is it harmful? Um, how is it affecting the gaming industry as a whole? Uh, Gamesindustry.biz put out a a piece recently um, 
who is the writer that I it's a opinionated piece by uh, Dr. Andreas Lober, but it's basically some predictions on some legal trends of 2024. They've, they've done this in the past years of legal trends for the year. Um, sorry, my camera is out of focus, I think, but it maybe it will fix itself. Um, but sorry, I'm losing my train of thought because my camera, there it goes. It's, it's focused again. Uh, so yeah, part of part of the legal trends of 2024, uh, talking about just like really focus on regulation. Um, in December, the the EU institutions reached a political agreement on the long and widely debated AI Act, uh, but the the full text has not been published yet. So we've only kind of gotten a glimpse of what this new regulation is going to be introducing. Um, around the the risk associated with AI. Gaming companies are included in this act. Um, a point to kind of watch for it is the the forthcoming AI act AI Act will be critical about emotional recognition and social scoring. Um, really about like how does AI, I guess like predict emotions and how does it respond? Uh, such systems, a according to the act, can be subject to a ban, uh, meaning they will have to be shut down as early as 2024, basically six months after the AI Act comes into force. Um, again, a lot of this is like a lot of what the bans are, are unclear because we have to wait for the final text to see what will be considered. Um, some anti-cheat measures, such as social scoring, will be included. Um, so I think we're just going to see a lot of discussions on what this means. It, it's hard to it's hard to kind of talk about it without having the full text, and it's a lot of a lot of words that are new to myself. Yeah. Um, but the the emotional recognition part was really interesting to me. I, Sam, what what was your thoughts when you were kind of reading about the AI Act, AI Act and how it's going to affect the gaming industry? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, a couple things. Again, we'll link to the GI.biz article in the description, but a couple things I, I pulled from this that I think are key. A is that much like what we've seen with other big tech regulation, whether it's what ultimately led to your new iPhones having a USB-C charger in them or the numerous million dollar fines that happen at big tech or social media companies, those often come from the EU. And Already we're seeing here, as summarized in this article, that with the AI Act, it's it's European countries taking the lead on putting out legislation or guidelines um, that will pl- have ripples worldwide. Of course, you know companies will find ways to work around them or delay them, but um, this is interesting as a first case study or, or you know analysis of what regulation in the age of AI proliferation could look like. I think it will be quite a while, if ever, um, if we see like a major piece of US uh, legislation related to AI. So that's neither here nor there. That's going to be a while from now. Looking at the AI Act, and of course, we're still waiting on the exact text of it to come out. But again, returning to this idea of like emotional recognition and social scoring, when I think of how AI could be used in gaming, I, I One of the, you know, there's so many examples, whether it is, and we can talk about examples related to voice acting or art or coding, but another, you know, issue that's 
rampant and, and can really not be solved by humans alone just because it's such a, a massive scale problem is like toxicity and cheating. Um, and so you think like, oh, how is a way we can implement, you know, human led code and recognition of these issues and employing AI to police them and report them and suspend users as necessary. Um, but what's what's fair and interesting about this AI act of the emotional recognition and social scoring is that, yeah, I mean, humans have the same problem, but especially AI, and we've seen it with like facial recognition tech, um, they just tend to have certain biases or, or things within the way they're programmed that poorly recognize certain emotions or the, or the certain meaning or context of certain things. And so with the social scoring as well of like, do we ban this certain player? Like it's going to, you know, suck to have a certain thing happen while you're playing your online game and an AI bot misregister what that is as cheating and ban you. So I see why the EU is getting ahead of that in this way. Uh, But like, at the same time, I think that AI will have to be used to some degree to ever get some sort of grasp on those issues. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I hope what comes from this is tech companies working with legislators to um, find a solution that works for both parties. We we don't often see that way. Often it's they'll just take the fine or, or they'll try to find a workaround. But I think that's ultimately you know, the best case forward here, because AI is not going anywhere, as we'll talk about with other examples. Yeah, the it's interesting that like the EU is basically like calling for this blanket ban, I think is a good ter- way to put it of the emotional, um, emotional recognition and social scoring. I'm going to focus on the, the emotional recognition for a second on like, kind of why that is and it's interesting because i don't think ai is great at that at the moment so the eu EU is almost putting a foot down on like making it so that it can't get good to use there's so many use cases for how that could be used especially like in the private sector um and also when we're like talking about like maybe police forces using it like you have like traffic cameras and if it can tell if a driver is is tired like how how does that affect like if someone is guilty or innocent if it comes to like a car accident um or like oh we we know oh there's those those apps where it's like oh you can watch ads and like make money and they're tracking your your eyes and it's like okay well what if it can start tracking your interests like are you interested in the thing that you're watching they do that with like movie trailers it's it's very weird and I can't think of use cases where I'm like, yeah, that should be allowed and we need that. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure like what that would be for video games outside of like creating digital assets, which I think is where we're really focused on right now when it comes to AI and video games is like the, the concerns when it comes to AI generated, um, visual assets as well as audio so like voice actors voices you know this is also a huge topic of discussion with uh the movies and television industry as well and that's it's kind of bleeding over to the games industry i'm not sure how i I feel about it i think i think there are many ways in which both of those can benefit the developers and artists who are working on games and as long as it's like 
it's done ethically and like people have given consent consent and it's not taking away their jobs and is used more as like a tool to help them better their job or just to like ideate, then I don't think there should be a ban on that kind of stuff. But if it comes to like, I don't know, creating something entirely and taking away jobs and artists from being able to like actually add that human touch, then I think we get to kind of a problem. But yeah, I agree that I think at least in terms of our industry for the calendar year of 2024, I mean, who knows where AI is going to go, you know, in the, in the long term. But I think the conversation will stay focused on asset creation in game. Um, there's a, a great, piece from aftermath written by uh, nathan grayson that we'll link to in the description where he spoke to a couple different developers and reps about just the ongoing topic of ai and games he spoke with voice actors as well as devs and uh one thing uh that uh he writes I- i'm quoting now from the story uh claude cummings jr president of the communication workers of america views ai running rampant as something only organized workers can prevent not just in the video game industry but across the board and uh nathan then linked to as an example a decision that came out uh at the time of this episode coming out only about a month ago um from zenimax um which has a union uh, in collaboration with the CWA. Uh, ZeniMax workers reach agreement with Microsoft on contractors and AI. Uh, The agreement reads, or at least the press release about the agreement reads, uh, over the past week, members of ZeniMax Workers United CWA have reached an agreement with Microsoft to incorporate a group of contract workers into their union, as well as a tentative agreement on the use of artificial intelligence in the workplace. I'm going to focus on that latter bit. What does the tentative agreement include? I'm skipping a little ahead now. The historic tentative agreement on AI commits ZeniMax to uses of AI that augment human ingenuity and capacities to ensure that these tools enhance worker productivity, growth, and satisfaction without causing workers harm. ZeniMax has agreed to provide notice to the union in cases where AI implementation may impact the work of union members and to bargain those impacts upon request. Um, of course, a uh, unionization in in the games industry is still like a burgeoning and you know that's a whole nother topic that will continue to evolve this year but i do think we will see similar agreements take place across other game dev unions of if ai is going to be not so much enforced but like integrated into the use of our tools and, and development processes that like we need to be consulted and reach an agreement before those are ultimately implemented um so cool to see uh, Zenimax uh, or their union take a lead here, and I'd be, I'd be not surprised to see this again, like pave the way for other examples later this year. I agree. It's we'll we'll keep our keep our eye on it, and yeah, I I think I, I think those what Microsoft is doing is good. I mean, I think they're one of the first like major companies to basically put these like structures in place for workers and giving them more rights around AI. Um, I think we'll just, that's going to be a trend this year as well as more workers demanding it. They should, especially if you're like, you're unionized. I'm sure lots of unions are looking at AI as a whole right now. Um, but I, I think it goes beyond just like the visuals and the the voice, the voice stuff. But I, I think that's what we're focused on right now. Um, eventually, I think it'll come to like the actual like, gaming code of of a game um 
because th- that's something entirely separate and different. It's like AI pulls pulls information from elsewhere. So it's it's not just like it's not being created out of thin air. So h- how can you ethically like create a game um with without using assets made by other people but then you get into the the whole concept of like well is anything original anything you create is you're always pulling influence from something else so how do you do it in a way where it's not um recreation but more just inspiration and again not an engineer i'm not an ai software engineer but i i think there's there's probably ways to do it and if you're doing that you have to do it correctly um but what's stopping people from not doing that unless there are regulations in place? Yeah. I mean, the, the tough thing, and, and let me know if you disagree with any of these, like the, the ways I see the situation is like one AI is, it's not as like of, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the general sentiment around AI, especially amongst press seems to be negative. Um, especially like when it comes to implementing it within game dev, because right. understandably the like understanding or expectation is that this is going to be used to like streamline development to the point of like layoffs. Um, so that's totally understandable, but at the same time, I don't think AI is going anywhere. So it, it's this weird push and pull of like, we have to find a way to use it smartly and ethically um, that does, as as this you know, Zenimax agreement said, um, help and enhance the work of the devs, not get in the way of it or, or take away from it. Um, and I, I think you know, one, I, this is like I said, it's it's going to breed some sort of like negative thoughts, no matter what. And, and I get it. But one example we've seen from late last year was the finals. Uh, which was uh, kind of the last big multiplayer hit of last year. Uh, comes from Embark Studios, and they said that the um, the use of AI. So this comes from Stephen Tatilla at Axios. Um, the game's use of AI voice acting for lines shouted mid-match by in-game announcers has drawn some heat. Uh, the finals uses a mix of human-acted voice work and AI-generated text-to-speech conversation. Uh, real actors recording their lines in the traditional way allow chemistry and conflict and add depth to our game worlds that te- technology can't emulate, uh, said communications director Sven Grumberg. Other times, especially when it relates to contextual in-game action callouts, um, TTS or text-to-speech allows us to have tailored VO where we otherwise wouldn't um, due to speed of implementation. Um, so it's a mix of both real voices and then using AI to expand them when needed for more contextual in-game things. And again, I think any opinions about this are valid, but I think the, where AI and gaming is going to net out is, like you said earlier, consensual use of work that has been done and using AI to expand that and in faster and more efficient ways that are kind of often needed for a game that's updated and supported as regularly as, as an online service game like the finals is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really appreciate how the finals, how all of that was kind of out outlined. It, it's very clear on what is being used and how, and that they've like, they've been using actors input and all this stuff. It's, there's a lot of transparency there, which I, I think is, I don't want to like 
rag on Square Enix for this, but I think it's a little bit of a contrast when Square Enix also, like they recently confirmed that Foamster is using AI-generated assets. And I'll, I'll read a quote from the publisher first before going into my thoughts, but they said, as developers, we're always looking at new technologies to see how they can assist with game development. In this instance, we experimented with mid-journey using simple prompts to produce abstract images. We loved what was created and used them as the final album covers players will see in the game. Everything else was created entirely by our development team. Um, I think there was a little bit more. There, um, oh, I've, there was another quote that I had just like looked at, but... Basically, like I, I think what's what's missing here is the they they said they're using stuff like made with Midjourney to produce assets where we know that sometimes stuff that's produced by Midjourney is using other artists' work. I I don't know if it was specific to Midjourney, but it was a product similar, and this wasn't game related, but it was the book industry and. Recently, one of a, ma a major publisher, might have been HarperCollins, put out a book where they, they had an AI-generated cover, and it ended up using a tool like Midjourney that ended up pulling an image from, like, DeviantArt or some some artist who had originally created it. was like an astronaut. And when you compare the two images, it was very apparent that, like, this AI tool that is supposed to be, like, really well and, like, not basically not do this but it did um basically stole artwork from someone else and then just like changed little little things on the, the outfit or the background um so i i just i don't know how i feel about like yeah we we used mid-journey and we're, we used it on some assets in the game um but not everything well you still use those assets can you confirm like can you 100 percent be like positive that you're not using assets that someone else in the world created and Midjourney just pulled from it. Yeah, they um, the developers confirmed that. Uh, the, uh, let me find the exact uses of the games because it's just like in-game album art. Um, uh, yeah, we loved what was created and used them as the final album covers players will see in the game. Everything else was created entirely by our development team, and that's. I guess a a good starting point when any developer or company is setting out to explain why or how they're using AI in their in their products, but it goes it has to go a lot farther than the what. It's the it's the how and the why. Um, as much as it, you know, some people might disagree with it. The the finals example did have that. They explained how they're using AI in that it's for these more in-game contextual moments, and they're using text to speech. Um, and the why is that because we want this game to have so many examples of these, like that you're not never running out of them. And that when many games you get sick of the, the few recorded barks you do have uh, with characters um, here. It's like, okay, why did you use AI to create the album art in the game? Are the, the music stars in the game, like hologram kind of virtual bands, a la gorillas. Cause because that's kind of interesting about like why you're using AI to create your art that way. But then, yeah, as you said, we need the how of how are you avoiding this just stealing art from elsewhere? I, I think ultimately where I hope this all ends up at is developers, you know, using whether it's like NVIDIA tech or building their own in-house engines in the way they do graphically, um, like 
AI tools that learn from their own developers and art, like that the album art within Foam Stars, yes, it was created by AI, but it was trained on the existing assets and art within Foam Stars itself. Um, like that, that's actually kind of interesting. So mm-hmm. again, I think that the how and the why are important questions that any announcement will have to answer, you know, in the future. Yeah. And I'll, I, f- I found my, the other thing that I was going to note in from the publisher when they said like, they, this is quote, we also intend to be aggressive in applying AI and other cutting edge technologies to both our content development and our publishing functions. Um, in short term, our goal will be to enhance our development productivity and achieve greater sophistication in our marketing efforts. Um, in the longer term, we hope to leverage those technologies to create new forms of content for consumers, as we believe that technological innovation represents business opportunities. Um, again, it's not very clear, like, the how and why. Like, I mean, I guess the why is business opportunities, which is not a, I don't think is going to lead to some <laughs> positive reception when people see that, um, especially when you talk about, like, the marketing efforts and stuff like that's a little bit different and I'm not sure how, how that works. Um, but saying you're, you tend to be aggressive in applying AI to agree to achieve greater sophistication, but you're not explaining like how, in what ways are you using AI? Like, yes, you've, you've used some album artworks, but like how else are you implementing AI? Cause you, you say that, Oh, it's just album artworks, but in the same breath, you're like, we're going to be really aggressive when it comes to AI, AI, but you're not making it clear and like, and how are you doing that? How are you also providing like um, support to your, to your artists and developers? How are you doing it ethically? Where is it sourcing the materials from? Cause like you said, like it was sourcing from already existing Foamsters, con- con- Foamstars um, content, which was not, it's not very clear in a lot of the messaging. Oh no, that was uh sorry. That was my own like, oh. It would have been nice oh. to like if that was the reality. Yes. No, to my oh, like you okay. said with Mid Journey, for all we know, probably yeah, you know, at least learned from thousands of other pieces of art out there. Okay, that's what I thought, and then I misheard you, and I was like, I didn't know Mid Journey could do that. You could just be like pull. No, from I, my I was own like, that's assets. a nice. Re- okay. I think I hope that's the reality we ultimately you know come to, but right. it's going to be a while right. before that's it's the just, case. Yeah, just pulling stuff from something you've already created, and you you create a hundred assets, and then Mid Journey or or an AI can give you a thousand influence on content you've already created. Um, that's that's way different than... It's like in the way that I mean, AI has been in games forever. It's like, you know, when I used to create a kart right. racing track in Mod Nation Racers and I would get bored after 30 minutes, I would then click the auto finish button and the AI of the game would populate it with a bunch of assets that the dev team had already created um, to finish my racing track for me. Same way that... Right. You know, the uh, Bethesda used AI to finish the A Thousand Planets in Starfield. Like, all those assets are things they created, but then, you know, they had AI, you know, populate and, and create ecosystems. Same thing with No Man's Sky. Like, uh, again, this has been around. It's just like, where are we getting everything from? And is it helping the devs do something more interesting and smarter um, are often the the questions that need answered. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have like NPCs without mm-hmm. without AI. Like, think of how think of how real some 
Rockstar open world games feel, especially when it comes to their NPCs and how they react to you and what you're doing. All of that is because of AI machine learning or whatever it is. Like it's, it's using AI has a lot of really good use cases. I, I hope people don't have knee jerk reactions when it comes to talking about AI and how it can be helpful because we use it every single day and it can be used for good, but it also can be used to, for harm. Um, and so that's kind of to circle back. It's what the EU is doing with the AI Act. And I think why the US and the, the UK and a lot of other company countries are going to be looking at how how the, these regulations will affect the EU um, and how do we implement it ourselves? But yeah, I don't know. Any, any other thoughts do you have on this topic, Sam? Um, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how the, uh, the, the SAG after agreement about, uh, you know, involving AI evolves or if it changes, um, or anything is updated this year. This came out last week um, that SAG-AFTRA had reached an agreement uh, with an AI voiceover studio, Replica Studios. Um, Duncan Grabtree Ireland, the union's executive director, said that the terms include informed consent for the use of AI to create digital voice replicas, as well as requirements for the safe storage of digital assets. Um, I know, you know, obviously some, um, you know, the BBC also reported that a lot of voice actors were not consulted uh, in the union, that it was, mm -hmm. a, it was a smaller subset of actors within the union that helped come to this decision. So I don't think this will be the last we hear of uh, how voice acting and AI's relationship is regulated and uh, created terms um, going forward. But uh, that was the last thing I wanted to say. I just wanted to acknowledge that that mm -hmm. was like, you know, I think we're going to get major headlines about this every week for the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that is the, I don't even want to, I don't want to say buzzword cause it's not a buzzword, but like <laughs> metaverse is in the past. Metaverse is. Metaverse, metaverse is so 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, <laughs> give it the times. <laughs> uh, we are now fully in, in the AI world. Um, but yeah, onto our, onto our next topic, which is much more fun and something that I enjoyed immensely is Prince of Persia. The lost crown, um, comes out, uh, tomorrow, actually January, the day that this podcast will be published January 18th. Um, reviews came out last week on January 11th, one week before release, um, let me make sure that this is still correct from when we did the outline, but it was had an 86 on Metacritic. Um, yes, has a 86 on Metacritic, uh, which is very high for a game. Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry, we are watching clips of it on the screen, but yeah, we the reviews coincided with a drop of the demo, which is was not expected. Ubisoft did not announce that a demo would be dropping at the same time as reviews. Um, I personally think it was a brilliant decision. I don't know if they were kind of, if that decision was made after they knew what reviews were going to look like, maybe from some mock reviewers, or if they just were always very confident that this game would score well. 
Um, regardless, I think it was a great decision because of how well the game has been reviewed. It made me personally go and play the demo. I notoriously do not play demos of games. <laughs> um, I don't know for what reason. I just like typically, typically don't. I l- will like read some reviews and I generally have like a good sense of if it's a game that I'm going to like or not. Um, but this one, I had never played a Prince of Persia game. I was like, I don't know if I'm super interested in it. The art style, I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first. Um, but it had glowing reviews last week that I'll, I'll read some quotes from some articles. Um, GameSpot said, the, the latest Prince of Persia makes the series a leader in its class once again. That was from Steve Watts. Wesley LeBlanc at Game Informer said, gameplay is king, and this Prince of Persia understands that. Um, Jeff Grubb said, Prince of Persia would have probably been number three on my Game of Game of the Year list last year. It is as good as Metroid Dread in many ways and better in many others. Combat, platforming, puzzle solving, puzzle solving, often puzzle platforming, is all best in the genre and often best in all of gaming. I'm in love. Um, I I don't think I could add anything more to those <laughs> fantastic quotes, all of which were like GameSpot gave it a nine out of 10. Game Informer gave it a nine and a half out of 10. Um, I'm with Jeff. This would have been very high on my game of the year list. I, and I just played the demo, which was like 30 minutes of gameplay, but I was so upset at the very end of that demo when it cut away. Like you're about to get to that, that final boss moment. <laughs> and then it kind of goes right into a cut scene of like, what I'm assuming are many iconic battles uh, in the game. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, I now have to wait a couple days to actually play the full game. Um, Sam, what did, what did you think of the demo? What did you think about the, the demo shadow dropping with reviews, which is just something like it doesn't really happen anymore. It's such a, and it's funny because all the, the, the coverage acknowledged that um, PC gamers, uh, no, sorry, Euro gamers, uh, news piece on the on the demo says in a move that feels a little like being catapulted back in time several decades ubisoft has released a free playable prince of persia the lost crown demo ahead of the game's full launch next week i think it played out exactly like you said that the mock reviews came in and were extremely positive and i mean a i love prince of persia it's one of my favorite childhood franchises um i i played the remake of the original on like playstation network i love sands of time i like the cell shaded 2008 one i even like the one that came out the same year as the jake gyllenhaal movie the forgotten sands um (laughs) but geez that would have been 14 years ago um and of course now ubisoft has really doubled down understandably on franchises that have a lot bigger like market share assassin's creed far cry division um and so so you you have to like think rebooting this um you know of course you have your, your fans who are nostalgic about it but there's a lot of people who either don't know or don't care about who prince of persia is so how do we get them excited a we put out you know we we embargo our expectedly amazing reviews over a week out before the game's out or i guess exactly a week out before the game's Mm -hmm. out and then we shadow drop a demo for anybody like doesn't believe what they're reading or at least wants to experience what they're reading for themselves um 
So it's it's great for people like me who are just excited for this game, and I didn't want to wait a week uh, to to buy it, which I, which I plan to. Um, so it was nice to have something to hold me over. But it's also great for I mean, Caitlin, do you have any love for Prince of Persia um, before like checking out this demo? Man, I feel like I've been living under a rock. Like I had, if someone had said Prince of Persia, I would have been like, oh, I know that's a video game. But I, I didn't know how many there were. I didn't I didn't know there was a Jake Gyllenhaal movie. <laughs> um, I didn't know it was a Metroidvania. Like, I truly would not have been able to tell you anything about Prince of Persia. It just was one of those franchises that just kind of escaped my, my purview. Like, I was notorious. Mm-hmm. Like, I just grew up playing Assassin's Creed by Ubisoft. And that was, like, all I cared about. And I was like, I don't need to play anything else. Um, except for, like, some Nintendo games. I was <laughs> Assassin's Creed all the way was my intro and only knowledge of ubisoft so prince of persia is very new to me i probably would not have played it if the reviews didn't come a week ahead and had been so good and shadow dropped with a a demo because then i just kept seeing everybody talk about it they're like wow this game was fantastic there's a demo a free demo that you can go and play right now um and and with this podcast honestly i'm I'm not even sure if then if i would have tried it because i don't really like demos but i was like I'll try it for the podcast. I want to talk about this. Um, and I was hooked. And I even played it on PC. I'm not really a PC gamer. Um, I will say, though, those the puzzles, which I think was it Jeff Grubb who said puzzle platforming, re- yeah. really, um, on a keyboard, there, there were some that I, <laughs> for the life of me, was struggling with and was getting really angry. Um, so, Sam, did you play it on PC or did you play it on a console? Or did you play? I played controller? it on my Switch. I'm glad we we okay. differentiated it. It runs great. I know, like the Switch is now uh, seven year old hardware, but I plan on buying it on my Switch because I do love a good handheld game. Nice. I I probably will buy it. I think on the PlayStation, um, just so I can play on the controller. And I I want to know what it looks like on my OLED TV because Ooh. visually. It's stunning. I mean, I've got like yeah. a 4K monitor and stuff, and it looked great on my PC. Um, but there were there were multiple times where like, oh, I, I wish I had wrote down the the areas. But I think one was like, oh, not a forest, but something named a forest. I don't know. There there just were a few like scenes where the the 2D backdrop background was so beautiful and i was like i just want to sit here and enjoy the moment and it looks so good the character design is is great the voice acting i really loved um by everybody there's a pretty big cast of characters that you get introduced to in the very beginning of the demo um you get separated from them so that you're like playing the game on your own but you come across some new characters as you're playing the demo and every single one of them like i just was kind of in awe and i was like i need to look up who the the voice the voice cast is which i had had not done because i forgot um but yeah i i could tell a lot a, a lot of care and love went into this game and probably people who were really big fans of the franchise i'm not sure how it compares to previous games and i i guess sam if you want to talk about that like if you played prince of persia how does it look the same does it feel the same what's what's similar what's different so yeah so that's the interest i I wanted to thank you for asking because you mentioned i didn't know it was a metrovania it has i mean really never has been up until this point at least in the way that we understand metrovanias to be 2d 
exploration platformers where you're unlocking new abilities that enhance your combat and your ability to unlock more of the world. Uh, Prince of Persia has always kind of had elements of that. I mean, for the longest time, it was it was a 3D action adventure game. And so you were unlocking like time powers that would allow you to access new areas of the palace. Um, but again, it played more like a an acrobatic uncharted um, that's not a great example because you don't you're not shooting guns in Prince of Persia. But I mean, like <laughs> you think of the acrobatics in Assassin's Creed, put that in a more uh, contained uh, level design um, that has a bit more puzzles, less, um, you know, just kind of open worldiness of it all. That's what Prince of Persia was. And and, and when it started back in the want to see the 80s, I might have to look at when the first Prince of Persia came out. That was a, a 2D platformer, but it was a bit more linear, and they would even describe it as a cinematic platformer. Um, this yeah. kind of fuses the, you know, it fuses the time powers that we associate the 3D games with, with the origins of it being a 2D game. And like Jeff Grubb says, it shows up some of the best uh Metrovania games of recent memory. Like, I mean, hell, you can't really beat a headline like Rock Paper Shotgun, which its subhead was Move Over Hollow Knight. Like, <laughs> can't beat that. <laughs> yeah, that's, as I was playing it, I was like, I haven't been this sucked into a game, like a Metroidvania since Hollow Knight. And the first game actually came out in 1989 Thank for you. the the Apple II computer. <laughs> so not Microsoft, it was just the Apple II, which I hadn't heard that name in a very long time um for many people who probably don't know what that is google's your friend go look at what the apple <laughs> 2 computer looks like and imagine playing a yeah what did you call it a cinematic fantasy yeah platform cinematic game? platformer yeah yeah cin cinematic platformer um and, yeah. and with all this being said like that's why it's so smart again to put out the demo because even like for fans like me this is kind of a a new way to think of the franchise. So even if like I was extremely excited when this was revealed at SGF uh, last summer, but there was a bit of me that was skeptical. I was like, God, oh, like, is this, if you had asked me a year ago, this isn't what I would have asked for from a new Prince of Persia game. But now that we have it and I've played, it, I'm like, Oh great. They, they knew, they knew what they wanted. They knew how to finally differentiate this franchise from Assassin's Creed because, you know, that was kind of the problem was like, yeah, one was open world and one was linear, but they were still, 3d action adventure combat games so putting it in this perspective and this colorful of an art style like you said is a way for them to finally coexist again yeah and like also revitalize a franchise that i feel like ubisoft just hadn't really like they didn't know how to keep going like you said like assassin's creed far cry like ubisoft has these like really strong franchises that have a lot of a lot of fans they've consistently been putting out games and prince of persia just kind of always like existed off there and on the sidelines and other like the core fans who were always like give us a prince of persia game i feel like general <laughs> general gamers or even like fans of ubisoft and their other franchises i just was like oh i don't i don't need a prince of persia game i i don't even know what that is um so to they came back swinging, really, and I'm I'm excited to play the full game. I'm excited for other people to play it. Um, yeah, it's look twenty 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 
I almost said 2023, man, 2024 is off to probably a good start, especially like month of January, which is usually a pretty slow month. So it's exciting. Yeah. Getting a, a exciting big game. It's kind of the, like another, you know, genius move of this is I feel it's the same thing with like movies and, and like everybody gets in this like end of the year season where they're catching up on the last year. They're talking about game of the year and it takes something really good to like, know like it's time to now come back to the present and like pay attention to this year and what's good from this year. And I think like, a, I mean the game's quality is the key there, but then like having a whole week where people can talk about how great it is before it's available on sale um, yeah. is in and of its own way, like <laughs> a strategy to get people to have a week to be like, okay, I'm gearing up. I'm ready to start playing a new game in 2024. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, it's out as of the time where you're probably listening to this and uh, I'm very excited to hop in. Me too. This is going to take away from me trying to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. And, oh, and The Last of Us 2 Remaster comes out on Friday. Oh, I really thought I was going to have a slow January, but apparently, nope. Can't, can't have anything. <laughs> no rest for the wicked. No rest for the wicked. Um, cool. Well, any, any other final thoughts on, on the game, I think? I think w one last observation I had was like Metrovania is very hard to demo um, because it's kind of all about the games really get good about halfway through when you start unlocking a bunch of powers and you're realizing how thoughtfully the world is crafted. Mm -hmm. uh, so A, I thought it was interesting that as Ubisoft described it, this was a crafted demo. There are certain areas that are like blocked off with like a, a mm -hmm. weird kind of like crystal mesh that you can't get through um, because they don't want to confuse demo players and being like, yeah, there's no way for you to get through this because you need the full game. So I thought that approach was smart. And two, like at the same time, like by nature, you're still only be playing like beginning portions of this game, even if it's kind of remixed around. So mm -hmm. having, you know, not putting up this demo, say like uh, around the, the game awards when it had a trailer, like instead waiting for reviews to come out is smart because even if people leave the demo being like, that was fun, but like do I like it does it get better than this? And every single review right. and, and video review I've listened to have said like it only gets better. So again, it's just a smart pairing. Yeah, that very good observation. And how they crafted the demo, like the very beginning, you get kind of some background story. You're introduced to a lot of characters, but the demo kind of is like, ah, don't worry about them right now. You just you kind of get the gist of what's going on, who this character is a little bit. And yeah, I, I didn't actually realize that it was crafted that way. I thought this was a part of the game and I was like yeah I could tell that some areas were blocked off because I didn't have those powers but it's you do get to experience what a what a new power is some they introduce you to the amulets um air, the the blacksmith the all of the side characters were just really interesting how they were the art style and how they were introduced kind of reminded me a little bit of Hades as well um mm -hmm. yeah the uh yeah, to I'm, read from Cameron Cameron Coke's uh news piece at GameSpot um, described as a custom demo by Ubisoft. It includes carefully selected sections from throughout the game. Uh, it also features early unlocks of time powers and amulets in order to show off the main gameplay features without spoiling its story. 
Um, so yeah, so by no means like something that like within the last week, they're like, oh, let's put out a demo. Like clearly they, they you know, put a lot of time and effort into making this, but it's it's resonated with people. I've seen a lot of people on Twitch and YouTube checking it out. So it all seemed to pay off. Cool. Well, I think that's it for our like gaming topics. Yeah, we've got a, we have a, a real R-E-E-L <laughs> time strategy topic. I really need our a, segment a new that- term for that. <laughs> yeah, it goes so well when just speaking it, but I I still stand by it. Ah, uh, it's it's really funny, but it, it is hard to introduce. Um, but yeah, those many of you probably saw, but we had some Last of Us season two casting announcements and some big hitters too. Uh, we've got Abby, Jesse, Dina, all have been casted, confirmed by the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline. Uh, Caitlin Deaver is, is it Deaver or is it Dever? Now that, Ooh, I'm that is that. a great question. I say Caitlin Deaver, but that might be wrong. I do too. I always, I always forget to look up name pronunciations and I was like, oh, I know, I know who they are. Yeah. So Caitlin Deaver, uh, she's from Booksmart, Last Man Standing, No One Will Save You. She is Abby. I love this as a casting. She just, she's one of my like favorite up and coming actors. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how she transforms for the role. I, I did see some people were like, Oh, she's like super tiny. Like how can you cast her? And I think people forget that like um, this is Hollywood and they have <laughs> trainers and nutritionists <laughs> and have we seen the Marvel glow up for a lot of actors. Like I, I have no doubt that Caitlin will transform for the role as Abby. I am curious if when they're filming, if they're going to film some of like Abby's backstory scenes early on and then have Caitlin kind of like bulk up mm. or maybe it'll be a little bit of post-production work and trying to make her appear slimmer. Um, because for those who have played the last of us two, Abby as a character goes through a huge like transformation from when she was, I can't remember the ages, but I want to say from like 13 to 18, something like that. Um, she, she goes from a small, like lanky teenager to a beast as one could say, like she, I would not want to fight Abby or like have her run at me. I would be terrified. Um, and Caitlin Deaver as a, as an actor, she's, she's a little bit of a slimmer build. So I'm curious how they're going to, tackled that um you could see see some clips from the hollywood reporter on the video podcast but yeah i i really hope sony um hbo is protecting her preparing her for the backlash she's going to get I, we won't go into spoilers but abby <laughs> as a character is a very polarizing character who i personally love um it is a character. I don't know why people think all <laughs> characters need to be morally perfect. Uh, it's a whole rant, whole other rant that we don't need to go into. <laughs> um, but we we've seen the hate that that character gets online, um, and just I'm totally I'm drawing a blank on the voice actress. Oh, uh, Laura Bailey. Critical role, Laura Bailey. Thank you. I was like, this is embarrassing. Totally blank in my head. Um, but yeah, so I, my heart goes out for Caitlin. She's a strong for taking on this role because it's going to be tough, but 
I'm really looking I, forward to it. I think she's got it. Or I don't think. I know she's got it. I love her. She's great in Booksmart. She's great in Unbelievable. If anybody wants a bit of a like a Rosetta Stone for what I think this performance is going to be like, I would recommend uh, No One Will Save You on Hulu. Did you watch this? It came out around Halloween. Oh, No One Will Save You. Um, no, I don't think I watched that one. It's like a Hulu sci-fi movie. I believe that Disney acquired through the Fox. Like it, it was released under 20th century. So I think it like got reshuffled much like Prey did last year and ended up just being like a Hulu movie. It's pretty good. It's a fun little sci-fi flick. And she, A, plays a morally gray character. Uh, B, put in a really scary, intense uh, sci-fi horror situation, which is not that much unlike The Last of Us. So... Uh, yeah, like you said, just need to bulk up a little. And I think you got the Abby character right there. So I'm extremely excited about that. I, I think that because people who watched The Last of Us didn't don't have the attachment of people who played The Last of Us, I don't think the reaction to the plot uh, of part two will ha- be as, I hope, toxic and uh, annoying as the like fanboy backlash was to the game. But yeah, I am sure she knows what she's getting into if she took the role, but I think it's great and it makes me even more excited for it to come out to my understanding in 2025. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're giving people a lot of credit. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need to play like I, part two again and remind myself. <laughs> yeah. On Friday when the, when the remaster comes out. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, yeah, I, I wish her all the best. And I'm really looking forward to season two when it comes out. I I don't think they've even started filming yet. So, yeah, they probably won't until after we get more casting announcements. But a couple of other big casting announcements that were released. Uh, young uh, Mazzino is, the, is playing Jesse, who's another very important character within the game. Uh, he starred in Beef. Uh, Sam, did you watch Beef? loved beef uh he plays yeah steven yoon's brother for those who watched it did you check out beef um i started it and then the controversy stuff controversial stuff happened and i like left a very sour taste in my mouth and i have yeah you're referring to the Um, the guy who played uh steven yoon's friend yes and just steven yoon ali wong's reactions um they like wrote a letter supporting him Oh, I missed that. That I I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, we don't need to get into it, but that unfortunately I just like could not enjoy that show how I wanted to. I, it, but yeah, I mean, they, they took home a bunch of Emmys on Monday. So it's, I know I've heard great things and apparently a lot of other people really enjoyed it as well. So. Well, getting getting away from the beef of it all, he's very good in it. Um, and I, I mean, (laughs) pretty like, if you look at the Jesse character, pretty spot. Like I'm not one like a stickler about like, Oh, the character needs to, the actor needs to look like the character, but they did a pretty good job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, he, he looks like Jesse, uh, especially I'm sure he'll like grow his hair out or they'll do a wig. Um, but yeah, he's very young, attractive actor. You said he's very good in beef and I've seen a lot of praise for him as an actor as well. So I'm looking forward to him. We also got, Dina is casted. Uh, Isabella Merkt or Merced. I again, I'm so sorry, guys. I should have looked up. Oh, I looked it up. It is Deaver. 
Um, it is Deemer. Long, okay. long E. No, I yeah. need you to look up. No, I need you to look up Isabella's name. <laughs> Merced. But, um, I, I believe it's Merced. Merced. Uh, I I have not seen anything she's in, but she was in Transformers the last night. Uh, she was in the Nickelodeon television series, 100 Things to Do Before High School. Um, she also has some voice acting experience with Dora and Friends into the city. Uh, she's... She's 22. She's she's young. So I I really love like some new faces being introduced to this cast, uh, both for me and probably for a lot of people as well. Um, Dina is also just like one of my favorite characters. And she she looks like Dina. Like, you know, it's. Yeah, it's an exciting, exciting casting choice for me. And a fun way from like a PR perspective for HBO to kind of just rule the entertainment headlines last week. They, you know, they rolled out each of these like day after day um, when they easily could have done them all at once, I imagine. But instead chose to give each of these performances a little bit of the spotlight. Um, It is Merced. Um, She also, fun fact, played Dora. If everybody remembers that Dora in the like, oh, it's not called in the Lost City of Gold. Maybe it is. Whatever that like theatrically released live action Dora movie was. Um, she oh, also was it not was in the that. Into the City? She's in that too, but uh, okay, they're different. Dora in the okay. Lost City of Gold, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is cool, and that brings me to like, you know, we're still waiting on Lev and Yara to get casted. I hope that they go, you know, because Galen Deaver's a name, um, these other people we know from things, I hope they go like the uh, what's the, the unknown route, find some some new folks to play. Um, those very key roles. And I think it'd be a good way to spotlight in the case of Lev, um, a, a trans actor. Um, yeah. On the flip side, I do hope they get a famous actor to play Isaac. Um, and by that, I just mean bring Jeffrey Wright back. He plays Isaac in the it. game. I knew it. I was like, it's got to <laughs> be Jeffrey Wright. It has to be. <laughs> I love him. Bring him back to HBO. Bring him back to the fold. Oh, I just, I watched American Fiction a week, last week. Loved it. I Did you watch that? He's so that? good. I did. I can't remember. I saw it the same okay, night as I you, remember. I think. Oh, that's right. That was the game where we both posted our <laughs> reviews at the same time. Man, my, my memory is great, guys. Uh, yeah, that's, I really, really hope Jeffrey Wright comes back as Isaac. Um, and then I, the only, like, Manny, I'm like, that could be, Manny could be anybody. Uh, Lev, I hope, is a, a trans actor. Um I'm I'm sure I'm sure it will, but yeah, a, a new a new name, up and coming actor would be great for Yara. The only one that I was like, oh, this could be a really interesting one, and I would love to see her more in uh, is uh, Jung Ho Young, who played uh, Sa Byok Sa Byok in Squid Game. Oh, uh, I like that. Yes, I I loved her performance. And just, I, I really want to see more of her. And I think she would play a really great Yara. I think she's, I think in her mid to late 20s too. So I feel like the age probably also kind of works there as an older sister. Um, but that that was when I was looking at these, she was the only one other than Jeffrey Wright that I was like, I like, I want this. Um, but it, I'll be happy with really whoever that they pick for these. And I... Yeah, maybe they'll yeah. maybe they'll do another like the each day they'll kind of announce <laughs> for these a final new casting folks. for the final. Folks. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, a bunch of White Lotus casting news is coming out. I 
probably within the next month, we'll have the rest of the casting news out because I know this is like top of mind for HBO. So they're going to want to get this cast and start shooting um, sooner rather than later because it'll be a pretty effects heavy show. I feel like we need to do like a bingo board for the White Lotus casting announcements (laughs) or like a... the balance I know sheet. <laughs> at this point, like which famous act character actor is not going to be. I'm just happy yeah. HBO royalty Hall of Fame Carrie Coon is going to be in season three. Uh, I love her in The Leftovers and almost everything else she's in. So yeah. I'm excited for her to be in that. Yeah, it's maybe it's the anybody who passed on the first season, which wasn't that like in the speech. <laughs> I think last year he's like, I, you all passed on this show. Um, none of them are allowed in it. So maybe, yeah, who's laughing now? Maybe the, maybe the bucket of who could be in it's a lot smaller (laughs) if we we go by that. I'm just kidding. They would never do that, but (laughs) it just, that, that speech really, that lives rent free in my head. I think that was, he was also the one like, oh, maybe it wasn't that, but who got drunk and they're like, they didn't serve us any food and we weren't expecting to win. Yeah. I'm thinking of all last year's Emmy speeches, but very funny um yeah i don't that's i think that's, that's all it. i had yeah i'm I can't wait for the last of us season two uh also i can wait you know because i think it's gonna be traumatic <laughs> yeah really, it'll be really a, a tough week of tough eight to ten weeks of television yeah oh i can't wait i have some friends watching it who have not played the game and have no idea what's coming and I'm like, I like it fills me with glee in the evilest way. Katie, per my recommendation, has muted the phrase "Last of Us Part Two on social media, so uh, I, I hopefully she'll be going in blind. Have our mute like golf club as well. <laughs> smart, That's just smart. in case. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, Sam. This is. I think that's. We can wrap up this week and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for next week's episode. We'll be talking about the Xbox developer direct. Um, so, uh, yeah, everybody watch that. I guess that also is on the day that this episode is out. So tune into that and we'll be discussing that and all things Xbox on our next episode. Yeah. Well, thanks Sam. And I'll, I'll see you next week and everybody else who is listening or watching. Thanks. Thank you.